Welcome to the Next Element Podcast. We're here with Dr. Nate Regeer, CEO, co-founder, and owner of Next Element, to talk about how to evaluate and improve your interactions to avoid drama. Nate is also the author of the book Beyond Drama, and his new book, Conflict Without Casualties, is now available. Nate blogs at nextfromnate at nextelement.com. Welcome, Nate. Thank you. It's great to be with you today. So, Nate, you've talked a lot lately about leading out of drama. It was a major theme in your first book, Beyond Drama, and it definitely plays a role in your new book, Conflict Without Casualties. Could you explain the origins of the leading uh, out of drama concept? Sure. We define drama as what happens when we misuse the energy of conflict, and it's costly. Drama costs a lot of money in our economy. It costs in, in strained relationships, and anyone can stop it. You know, anyone can lead themselves and others out of drama and into more compassionate accountability. So leading out of drama, or LOD as we call it, is the culmination of our work with clients teaching these strategies to do just that. Leading out of drama is a skill every person should have, and it's the focus of our comprehensive leadership development system. Okay, so the title of your new book is Conflict Without Casualty. What kind of casualties can drama and mishandled conflict lead to, and what situations can I apply your communication techniques to? Like I said, it is costly. Uh, A study by the Gallup organization recently estimated that drama costs the U.S. economy over $350 billion per year, and that was measured in terms of lost productivity, absenteeism, turnover, lack of follow-through on projects, broken relationships, and even unrealized dreams at work and at home. A hospital in Oklahoma recently racked up a $13 million drama price tag when they weren't, were unable to implement a new electronic medical record because of interdepartmental turf wars, protectionism among supervisors, and passive-aggressive behaviors by staff. The strategies that we teach in our training and in the book apply to a range of interpersonal situations, from how meetings are conducted to how we handle difficult performance conversations. I think the key to remember is that it all starts with me, with you, with each one of us. Recognizing and responding to drama in a positive way requires self-awareness and making different choices. You know, take gossip, for example. Gossip is all about people seeking drama allies or adversaries to stoke the fire and feel justified. Anyone can stop their contribution to gossip with a few simple sentences using our formula for compassionate conflict. Or what about when someone has crossed a boundary with you or failed to live up to a commitment? Same process, different situation. We've even applied our strategies to making a great apology, which is outlined in detail in the book, and it's even the subject of one of our leadership application pack handbooks. Those are just a couple situations where it can come in handy. Yeah, you're really making me think a lot about my daily interactions and how my communication can easily create drama. Yeah, most of us are unaware of all the ways we participate in drama every day. It's automatic, and and it very often comes from habits that we learned early on and continue to reinforce every day. I would say that drama is basically an underhanded way to get what we want, and it often reveals a skill deficit, more a, a deficit for more healthy coping strategies. So it's definitely something that we all could become more aware of. Yeah, one thing that resonated with me when reflecting on my interactions with the drama triangle. Could you explain the different roles that people play in the drama triangle? Yeah. 
I might back up and just mention that the drama Triangle, it was originally developed by a psychiatrist by the name of Stephen Cartman, and he discovered the Triangle while analyzing basketball and football defenses and offenses. Kind of interesting how an offense can beat a defense. We know the old, the old Triangle offense in basketball. It really has to do with people playing some very predictable roles, and they lure the other team into thinking things are going to go a certain way, and then they switch it up and keep people guessing. Drama's a lot like that. Uh, Cartman identified that in drama, people play one or more of three pretty predictable roles. Uh, the persecutor role is the role where we go on the attack, and we kind of assume that we're okay and everyone else is the problem, so we might blame or attack people. The victim role is the role that assumes that it's all their fault and their problem, and they kind of play the one-down position and are willing to take the abuse from the uh, persecutor and often don't stick up for themselves and don't uh, assert what they really want. The third role is the role of the rescuer. And the rescuer, we like to call the meddler because they love to get involved where they're not welcome and they try to solve everyone else's problems instead of their own. And often they create more problems by increasing dependency on them rather than really helping people become capable. You know, all the, the key themes about the drama triangle is that every role needs the other ones to feel justified and keep the fire going, and they're all equally responsible for the problems that it causes. Actually, a lot of that really hits home. Uh, is it possible for me to identify with more than one of those, depending on the situation? Absolutely, and a lot of people ask that. You know, most of us on any given day will find ourselves playing at least two of those roles. Which role I play every day depends on a lot of factors. How stressed I am, how, uh, how much sleep I've gotten, whether I'm feeling in a good space, even who I'm with. I might play a different role at work than I do at home when I'm with my family. So there's a lot of situational factors that affect how, how we play and what roles we take on. And we all have an internal drama triangle inside our heads. Mine is made up of the voices of my parents, my teachers, siblings, mentors, and other significant people in my life whose acceptance was very important to me. So what's the right way to approach conflicts? Avoid it altogether? Well, that's what a lot of people do, and that's one of the reasons we've rewrote the book. Uh, I would say no. Many, many people think that conflict is the problem, and that's not the case. In fact, it couldn't be further from the truth. The problem isn't conflict, it's how we deal with conflict. Conflict, pure and simple, is just the energy that's generated by a gap between what we want and what we're experiencing at any moment in time. And that energy can be used in self-justifying and destructive ways, which we call drama, or it can be used in constructive and creative ways. We call that compassion. You know what? When we focus on avoiding, managing, mediating, or resolving conflict, we undervalue the inherent potential in conflict itself. That's why the book is called Conflict Without Casualties. And that's why I like to say that drama might be the biggest misuse of energy in our world. And the biggest energy crisis we're facing is the misuse of conflict. I think I see what you're saying. So the struggle is okay as long as you're struggling with someone to resolve a problem rather than struggling against them. Is that right? Yes. And you've, you've touched there on the core meaning of the word compassion. Compassion originates from the Latin root, which means to struggle with. You know, positive conflict is hard work. Struggling with others alongside them while maintaining their dignity 
It sends the message that both of us are okay and we're both in this together. We're equally responsible and accountable for the outcome. So could you talk about a success story you've been a part of or even witnessed when someone dealt with drama this way? I could talk all day about it. It's, uh, it's incredibly rewarding and, and meaningful to see what people are doing with this. Um, and I feel badly saying this, but one of the most rewarding experiences that I get to have is helping a leader fire a toxic employee. And I hate saying that, but it's very, very rewarding because it requires all of the tools of leading out of drama. One of the most difficult situations an executive can get into is hiring the wrong person or hiring somebody that turns out to be a dud. And no matter what they try, things don't turn around. Very often the executive will wait way too long to make the necessary corrective action. And so I've coached a lot of leaders to come to the point where they're able to make the call, able to let go and acknowledge their own failure and maybe having hired the wrong person or being unable to turn them around. And they get honest with themselves and get, and get very open about the difficulty. Then we move to resourcefulness and we help them figure out how am I going to go about this? How are we going to execute this necessary step in the healthiest way? And then going to persistent and helping finally make the call, follow through on the commitment, and be able to end a relationship that should have been ended a long time ago. And while this is incredibly difficult work, it is very, very rewarding because the leader probably changes more than anyone else throughout that process. They face a lot of their own demons, they make decisions they should have made a long time ago, and then after the fact they find out that all of the ways in which that toxic person was infecting the workplace and how many lives had been touched by that situation and how much better things get very, very quickly. So that's one example of a situation where helping people lead out of drama on very difficult situations can make a profound difference. So you also mentioned that your new book, Conflict Without Casualties, isn't for people who like the status quo. What do you mean by that? Well, one of my uh, mentors used to tell me that he said, Nate, you really like to kick the goat, don't you? And I guess that's maybe some African proverb about starting trouble. But uh, another way it's said is my, my dad used to say that his mission in life was to comfort, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And so I would say this book is really targeting, challenging some of the myths and assumptions that we have that don't help us. And uh, one of the most prevalent myths in our culture is that people, other people can make us feel good or make us feel bad to get what they want. I'm even surprised how much this myth is present in the emotional intelligence industry. That's the last place we'd effect, uh, expect to find it. And yet it's very prevalent in the language that they use and the themes that they talk about. I would say another challenging aspect of this book is the focus on the self. It all starts with me. You know, trying to lead others out of drama without leading myself first is an exercise in futility. So many self-help and leadership books are all about the things we can do to others and not the discipline of self-management. So I guess uh, challenging the myth of who that people can't make us feel good or bad emotionally is one. And then the other one is that it all starts with me. Right. So obviously I have a role in, in making decisions during conflict and drama. What are some questions I should be asking myself so that I can really hold the mirror up and figure out how I can improve? 
That's a great question, and I really appreciate you focusing on that is, there are decisions that each one of us can make. We can make the choice to stay in drama and participate or not. The most effective questions that I ask my clients and that we ask people that we're working with is, when drama comes knocking, here's three questions to ask yourself before you make the next move. First of all is, do I want to feel justified or would I rather be effective? Because drama is about seeking justification rather than doing what's going to be the most effective thing. I think another question to ask is, what's more important? My relationship with these people and this or this person or my own personal agenda? Because if the relationship is most important, I will choose to lead out of drama. I think the third question that is, that is important is, what do I really want out of this situation? And very often, if we just take a few moments to step back and say, what is it really about? So that I'm advocating for what's really important instead of getting sucked into drama. So do I want to feel justified versus effective? What's most important between the relationship or my personal agenda? And what do I really want out of this? Are three questions that I would recommend anybody asks when drama comes knocking. That's really great. I'll definitely be taking that advice going forward. Thanks again for joining us today, Nate. It's always a pleasure, and I appreciate helping spread the word of compassionate accountability and hoping to inspire other people to lead out of drama and start solving this energy crisis in our world. That was Dr. Nate Regeer from Next Element. This is the Next Element Podcast.